Another four year, no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Father, Lord, we thank you. We pray you bless us now as we look at Ephesians and thank you for all the messages and the lessons that are here for us. Help us to engage them, Lord. Help us to accept them. Help us to trust you by faith for all these things in Jesus name. Amen. You know, something changed when Christ rose from the dead. It not only changed for the Jew, but also for the Gentile. It changed for both. All that are in Christ have been granted permanent access to the holiest of all. All have been granted access to the throne room of God and the Father in heaven. This cannot be underestimated. It cannot be, it cannot be minimized. It is spectacular and amazing that all in Christ have access by one spirit under the Father. So first, let's look at the access under the Father. The Bible says we have access unto the Father. By Christ, sinners have access to God because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by Him. He is the mediator. Before salvation, the sinner has no access to the Father. They have none. They have none to the throne room of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, the Bible says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Christ is called the mediator seven times. And all seven times mediator is used, it is used in the New Testament. That's where it's used. It's not used in the Old Testament. Why? Because the mediator came. Christ came and became the mediator for us. Hebrews chapter 8 verse number 6 talks about that. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how, much more, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Again, the book of Hebrews, Christ is better than all things. Christ is better than anything. Better than the law, better than Moses, better than Elijah. He's a better prophet, a better king, right? All of those things, a better mediator. Hebrews 9.15, and for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. And then Hebrews 12.24, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Better things. His blood speaketh better things than that of Abel. By faith in Christ, we are accepted, we are cleansed, we are justified, we are adopted. The throne of judgment becomes a throne of grace to which we are invited to come boldly. Hebrews 4, 16. I want you to turn there and I want you to think about this. I think, the pro I think some of you come too timidly to God when you ask him for things. You come very timidly, as if you're, you're not supposed to be bold, as if you're not supposed to ask bold things and great things from God, as if you're not supposed to be bold. Your boldness is not because of yourself. Your boldness is because of Christ. The boldness is not because of what we deserve. It's because of Jesus. That's why we boldly come. It's our position and our place in Christ that makes us come boldly, that, that allows us, that gives us that access. Hebrews 4, 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Lazy people don't come boldly. They don't because they're lazy. Lazy Christians don't come boldly to the throne of grace because they're lazy. They won't do it. So they might repeat a little prayer. They might say, but passionately and fervently and earnestly, they do not cry out to God when it is necessary. So they get nothing from God. And they wonder why they get nothing from God. But you ought not wonder why you don't get anything from God. You're lazy. You're lazy. That's why you don't get nothing from God. You don't get anything from God. That's why. Because you're being lazy. You're not boldly asking God. You don't come as a, as, a, as a son does to a father. You don't come that way. 
you come very sheepishly in that sense and very, very skittishly and very, and like you're afraid. You don't ask God boldly for things. So you don't get bold, you don't get things boldly from God because you don't ask him. And God prescribes and tells you how. He tells you right here. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. How do you obtain mercy? Coming boldly unto the throne of grace. This mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. This is when you have your trials. This is when you have your struggles and your heartache and your pain and, and those, those trials and those insecurities and all those things that are going. This is when you're to come boldly in a time of need. You're not to come ski, uh, uh, skittishly to God. You're not to come after a frightful manner to God Be, when you have needs and when you're hurting and when you have, you have things that, that you need to get from God. You're to come boldly. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, not lazily seek him, not after a lazy matter, not after a slothful matter, but fervently seeking God, fervently calling on the name of the Lord, fervently calling out to God in the midst of your trial. That's when you do, it says come boldly, it doesn't say, well, come, uh, you know, when you're as as afraid little puppy coming before God. That's not what it says. It says, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Moses did it, didn't he? Moses looked at God and he said, I, I want to see you. Now, so you can't see me. Nobody can see me and live. Well, I want to see you anyway. <laughs> God said, okay. You want to see me? I'll show you my backside. That's fine. But you ain't seeing my face because no man can see my face and live. But he got to see the backside of God, didn't he? Why? Because he asked. And he didn't give up. He didn't quit asking God. And he asked boldly. He asked bold things from God. And he expected bold things from God. He expected God to, to bless him. Do you expect God to bless you? Do you expect God to answer your prayers? Or do you pray without the expectation? Do you not believe that God's going to do it? Do you pray with doubt? Do you not pray with faith? Nothing wavering. You know why you're tossed to and fro? Because he that wavereth is like a wave tossed to and fro. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything from God. You have not because you ask not. Amen. You don't get it because you don't ask for it. And you don't even believe God's going to do it. You wonder why you stay in the same pitiful, pitiful place. Well, that's the reason you stay in the same pitiful place. It's not, it's not hard to understand. You don't need a degree to understand it. It's simple. He says it right here very plainly. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Is that what you need? Well, then you get it from God. You come boldly. Well, I don't know how to do that. Oh, I think you do know how to do that. I think you're willing to do it when somebody, when somebody upsets you, you can be awful bold. When, some, when, when you want something from somebody else, you can be awful bold to get what you want and to ask for what you want and to, and to push and prod for what you want. But when it comes to God, nope. And find grace to help in a time of need. You think about that for a moment. At times we look at the throne of grace as the throne of judgment. Why? Why do you look at the throne of grace as if God is ready to punish you? Why do you pray to God and act like he's ready to punish you? Like God's always walking around with some kind of billy club to smack you in the head with it. John R. Rice, years ago, he preached a, a sermon called, Is God a Dirty Bully? 
And on the cover of it, it shows it shows a big, I, I can't remember what it shows, but remember that, Hannah? You remember that book probably years ago, uh, Is God a Dirty Bully by John R. Rice? On the on the cover of it, it was like, you know, God, I think he had a club or something like that. And he was, you know, didn't show a picture of God, but just showed like kind of like an outline or something, I think, and, and like a club or something, getting ready to beat somebody up. Because that's how people look at God, is that he's like a dirty bully. That's how they look at him. You say, I don't look at God like that. No, but you might think that about God. You might think that God's always ready to punish you. Like he's just sitting up in heaven waiting to punish you for everything you do wrong. God's just waiting to punish you for every little thing. that He's, he's not ready to pour out his grace unto you. He's not ready to give mercy unto you. He's not ready to, to love and to care for you and to meet your needs and to take care of you as a loving father does his children. But you're a better parent than him because you're nice to your children, but he's not very nice to you. Now, you wouldn't say any of that out loud. I just said it for you. Right? Because that's, that's how you look at God. And when you pray, you look at God the same way. Do you ever think God looks down at you and says, what an ungrateful little child. After all that I do for them, they look at me that way. Right? I'm sure he said that about his, his Israelites, didn't he? Back in the Old Testament, he said it, didn't he? They would murmur and complain. Maybe you murmur and complain and you don't pray. You don't come boldly, but you complain about everything. Always walking around so, so, the sorrow of this, with the sorrow of this world. Not thanking God, not happy, not, not blessed. We look at God Almighty as a judge with a law that condemns us. But God is our Father by faith in Christ. We're invited to come boldly to the throne of grace with our petitions, all our anxieties, all our fears. We're invited to take them to the throne of God and leave them there. That's faith, right? Leaving it there. Giving it to God, praying, and leaving it there. Well, of course you can't carry such a burden. Why do you try? Why would you try to carry that? Right? For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. You have access to the throne of God and you act that way? Or you don't use it. You don't pray. Christ made the way so we have access to the Father, and that is right to the throne room of our God. With the enmity being destroyed, there is no more aught. You are made perfect in Christ, so then there is no reason to not exercise faith and go boldly to the throne of God to obtain mercy in a time of need. How many Christians live beneath their privilege by a wrong understanding and practice concerning the great change that takes place at salvation? Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin hath left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Through prayer... Any believer can enter the throne room of heaven, kneel before the sovereign of the universe and address him as father. Your prayers are to the God of heaven. Your prayers go to the throne room of God. Right to the throne of God. The mediator has made it so we can come boldly. He is the reason. It isn't because you're so good. It isn't because I'm good. It's because God is good. It's because Jesus, his sacrifice was accepted on Calvary. It has nothing to do with you. So you're not to be man-centered. You're supposed to be Christ-centered. You're not to be self-centered. You're supposed to be Christ-centered. That's the understanding you should have. The strength, in fact, of my access to the Father is not because of my good behavior. My children do not only have the right to speak to me when they are good and are obedient and have never done wrong. I'm their father, so when they're wrong, they have even more need to talk to me. Do they not? If you are wrong, don't you have an even more need to talk to God than you do if you're right even? Isn't that the time when you, when you were wrong to go to your father? Isn't that when, Jesus, when the father went and looked for Adam when Adam had sinned? In the cool of the garden, didn't God go looking for him when he was wrong to make reconciliation? To give him a way to be reconciled? 
God always desires for his children to come and talk to him. They've been adopted into the family of God. They're children by faith in Christ Jesus. And they need to boldly go to the throne of grace and speak to their father. They've been given access. John Gill commented, he said, They may come to God as the father of spirits and of mercies, who has made their souls or spirits and bestowed his mercies on them in great abundance. And as the father of Christ, and as their God and father in Christ, and the rather they should consider him in this relation to them in order to command in, him, in them a reverence and a fear of him, to secure a freedom and liberty in their approach to him, and to encourage a holy boldness. You know why a lot of people can't be bold with men at all? And they fold under circumstances. They fold and compromise with the world. They fold and compromise with people that aren't happy with them. They give in and they give up. You know why Christian men get that way and Christian women get that way? Because they're not boldly going to God. See, when you pray to God, you need to do it just like in the book of Acts. What the Bible says that they did, right? When they were threatened, when they, when they, when they suffered persecution, what did they do? They prayed and asked God to grant boldness to them. To grant them boldness that they could speak his word. And he did just that. And he shook the place, didn't he? Right? That it encourages a holy bold. When you understand your relationship in Christ is not you. It's Jesus. It's what he's done. It isn't, it isn't about how good you are. You're not good at all. Neither am I. That's why you needed to be saved. Because you're not good. If somebody told you you're good, they lied to you. <laughs> told you you were good. Right? You're not inherently good. You're good by Christ. Right? Christ makes us good. His righteousness... It's cry, but, but of your own self? No, you're not good. If somebody told you you're good, they lied to you. I'll burst your bubble for you. You're not good. The only thing good about you is God Almighty. The only thing good about me is God Almighty. Is Jesus Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's it. There's nothing else good about this flesh. There is in my flesh well, no good thing. See, but somebody said Barnabas was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost. I know somebody else said that about him. He didn't say it about himself. And what was it? Why was he good? Because he was full of the Holy Ghost. That's why he was good. It was the Holy Ghost. Amen. In him, working in him. That's the only good that's in you and I. But it's to encourage a holy boldness. You need to understand that. That's what God wants you to have. That's why you've been given access. And a fiducial confidence in him. And to teach them submission to his will. And their access to him is through Christ. I think sometimes you read the Bible and think too much about yourself and not enough about Christ. Just reading it all, looking, looking through there and thinking about yourself. Now, there's, there, there's certainly aspects of, that we have to work on devotionally, right? But if you're thinking about yourself more when you read the Bible than you are Jesus... You got issues. You need to deal with them. Because you should be thinking about Christ. <laughs> you should be thinking about Jesus. Right? And how, how Jesus Christ and what he has done for you and how that relates to your life and your walk with God. Christ is to be the focus and the center of our lives. When it comes to your devotion, when it comes to it, it's Christ-centered. Marriage, everything. Raising your children. Too much internalizing. Too much looking at self. It stunts your growth. It's damaging. It's self-centered and it's pride. Well, I have sorrow with it when I look at myself. So it must not be pride. Oh, it's pride. It's exactly what it is. You can have pride and sorrow too. You ever seen people feel sorry for themselves so much they don't do anything? What are they doing that for? Well, they're just depressed. Oh, they might be depressed a little bit, but you know what it is? Pride. 
They're thinking on themselves. They're thinking on themselves. That's not, you're not supposed to think about yourself. You're supposed to think about Jesus. You're supposed to think about walking like Christ and living for Christ. And, and your life is dead and hid in Christ. That's the focus. That's why he says that. That's why this, this comment is made. Their access to God the Father is through Christ. It's not like just like you to God in that sense. Well, Christ is God, but you know what I mean. God the Son. It's through God the Son. He's our mediator. We pray in Jesus' name upon the authority of Christ. Right? Because of Jesus. That's, that's how you pray, right? We pray because of Jesus. We pray through Jesus. Why? He's our mediator. Fully God, fully man. He had to come and die for sinners. And he had to come and die and be a man and, and, and be that second Adam, right? That, that came. Why? Why did he have to do that? Because he fulfilled all righteousness. So then you and I have access to the Father. Why? Because God the Son was perfect, is perfect. He, listen, I'm going to help you. He represents you. You don't represent you. He represents you. You have a perfect mediator. Why? Because you're not perfect and neither am I. So we need a mediator, a man, the man Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? So when you pray, God sees the Son. The Father sees the Son. Do you understand that? He sees the Son. When I pray, God sees Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. That's why he died for you. And was buried and rose again from the dead. You think our old nasty carcasses could get anything up to God? Without the Holy Ghost of God interceding for us and Jesus Christ dying for our sins? You think God would even hear from us without Jesus' intercession? No. Why would he? We don't deserve that. We deserve hell and damnation. We don't deserve God to hear us. But Christ does. What did Jesus say when he prayed? He said, I know, I know Father, thou, that thou hearest me always. Amen. You hear that? Oh, you ain't paying attention, are you? <laughs> That's what he said. That's what he said. Why does that matter? Well, if you understood John chapter 17, it matters a whole lot for you. Why? Because Jesus prayed for you in John chapter 17. What type of prayer did Jesus pray in John chapter 17? Oh, I'd love to go through it. It'll take me 10 years to get through it when I do. But, but, when, I, but when we go through John chapter 17, it is called the high priestly prayer. That's what it is. Now read it when you go home. Read the high priestly prayer and understand that Christ prayed for you. Why does that matter? Because that's the only way your prayers are getting answered because Christ prayed for you. I haven't even got out of my first point yet. I'm still kind of there. I'm actually enjoying it, so I kind of want to park there. It's, it's good. It, it, it'll help you understand. And their access to him is through Christ, who has made peace for them and atonement for their sins, who has satisfied law and justice and brought in an everlasting righteousness for them so that there is nothing that lies in their way to hinder them. And besides, he takes them as it were by the hand and leads them into the presence of his father and presents their petitions for them on whose account they have both audience and acceptance with God. 
And this access is also by one Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Literally, the reason that the middle wall partition is broken down, the, the way into the holiest was made, why? Because Jesus is the way. And what did he do? He died. He was the perfect sacrifice. He died. He was buried. He rose again. He led captivity captive. He gave gifts unto men. He ascended up on high. He went up to heaven and he walked right into that throne room and sat down on the right hand of God. Victory. The way into the holiest made. Once for all. I think it's powerful. It, it moves me. It's powerful. It's absolutely powerful. If you don't get it, there's something wrong with you. If you don't understand it, there's definitely something wrong there. You ought to embrace that and thank God for it. You ought to understand it and ought to make you want to pray more and seek God's face more. See, that's doctrinal. What I'm giving you is doctrinal. It's both doctrinal and devotional, but it's doctrinal for you to understand why. Because many of your problems are brain problems. And they're brain problems because your brains aren't set on the right doctrine. So you let your emotions lead your brains instead of your brains leading your emotions. Does that make sense? And I don't even have a doctorate. Huh? But that's what happens. I know because I've done it. Your, your, your brains, your doctrine. What's doctrine? Teaching. That's what it means, teaching. The, that's right. That is to lead your emotions. Not your emotions leading it. It's the other way around. Why? Because there's some days that I wake up and I'm telling you, I don't want to do nothing. I don't want to talk to nobody. I want to get away from everybody. <laughs> right? I don't want to do anything. But it don't matter what I want to do. How do I know that? How, how come I don't? Shouldn't I just follow my feelings and be like, well, I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that. And I don't want to. Should I just follow my feelings? No. <laughs> what do I have to follow? Doctrine. Because, no. It doesn't matter how you feel. You do it. You're too worried about how you feel about doing something. You're worried about how, how do you feel about it? I don't care how you feel about it. Do it. Amen. Right, Garrick? Like Amen. But you still did it, right? It's like when Garrick's mom, Cindy, told him, Garrick, take out the garbage. Mom, I don't really feel like that. I don't really care how you feel, Garrick, about that. <laughs> right, John? Yeah, take that garbage out, right? It's cold! You gonna feel cold then, boy? Get out there and get it done. <laughs> right? You gotta do it anyway. Doesn't matter how you feel about it. That doesn't matter. That makes no difference at all. That's nice when you feel good about stuff. Great. Might be gas. Who knows? But it don't matter. Doesn't change anything. Doesn't change obedience. Doesn't change and doesn't change this doctrinal truth. Doesn't say how you feel to come to the to, uh, to the throne of God. It says boldly come. Why? Because you have access. You have access. It's already been granted. It's been given in Christ. And the access isn't a merit-based access. Well, it is. It's Christ's merit, not yours. Christ merited your access by the nature of who he is and what he has done. He merited your access. You could never merit your access. There's nothing you could do to please God in that way, nothing. It took Christ to please God, amen. So he says, and by one spirit, the Holy Spirit, and who is necessary in access to God as a spirit of adoption? to enable and encourage souls to go to God as a father and as a spirit of supplication to teach both how to pray and for what as they should and as a free spirit to give them liberty to speak their minds freely and pour out their souls to God. Have you ever said anything hard to God? Things that you would never want anybody else to hear you say to God? Should be. 
You should have. There should have been some really hard, I don't mean disrespectful to God, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying there ought to have been some things that you wouldn't want any man to hear, that you've poured out to God. There ought to be some things that you've confessed to God that you don't want any man to hear, and there ought to have been some things you ask God. Right? If there hasn't been, then you're not praying the way you should. Because there should have been. There should be. There should be things that you know that you've asked hard things from God. Have you ever asked anything great from God, big things from God? See God do? Have you, do you have anything like that? You should. You should have things like that. Right? There should be things that you've said to, to God. And, and there should be some bold things you've said to God. There's things that I've been absolutely by myself for to pray to God that I didn't want any man to hear. Because they wouldn't even understand what I was saying to God. They'd be like, I can't believe you pray like that. I might say to you, I can't believe you don't. I'll tell you what, if you can whine and complain in your life, but you don't boldly go to God, that's an emotional game is what that is. Your tears ought to be to God. Your, your, your heart ought to be poured out to God. If you want something from God, then you get it from God. You go to God and you keep knocking until he answers and you get it. Don't tell me, well, I tried and I just can't do this, I can't do that. You know, that's just a bunch of excuses and garbage is all that is. That's, you're not going to God, you're being lazy. If you wanted that from God, you'd go until God gave it to you. Amen. Unless he tells you, no, I'm not going to do that. See, sometimes you ask God for something he's not going to do. And he has good reason not to do it. I'll tell you what, I grew a lot when I stopped asking God for certain things that, that he just told me he was not going to do. He's just not going to do it. I wanted God to take some things away from me, man. I just wanted him to take some things away from me. But you know something? What's interesting to me is I'd ask God for that, and I'd ask God for that. He said, no, I ain't taking that away from you. I will not do it. And he directed me in the scriptures where I'm not taking that thorn away from you. I am not taking that away from you. Quit asking me. I'm not doing it. It's not like God said it in an audible voice. Right. It's just the leading of the Holy Ghost. He's like, nope. See, I showed you in the scriptures why it's there. It's a thorn in your flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet you. And, I, and Paul said, I besought the Lord thrice. God said, no. There's some things God said, no, I'm taking away from you. But you know what he said, though? He showed me in the scriptures. Let me, I'll give you anything else you want. Within reason, within my will, I'll give you. But that I won't give you. I mean, I've seen God give me some amazing things. I, I, I can't even believe it. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, amen. I mean, when I, when I think about that, the, the things like, like going to Europe, right, and things like that, like, I, I don't have any money like that. <laughs> I just ask God for it. God, you want me to go there? I'll, okay, I'll go there. The, the house I live in, I just, just I, I didn't want that. I wasn't even looking for that. I was actually looking for one like I had there in town, out somewhere else like that. I, I didn't, I didn't. But what did he say? Well, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I have two vehicles paid off. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel because I ain't got no money. But I'm, just, I'm telling you, I have two vehicles paid. Why? I just asked him for it. I'm not saying you're wrong if God doesn't do that for you. Maybe you didn't ask him to. Maybe you didn't ask him to. I'm not, I'm not talking about mo only money. I'm talking about people being saved, seeing God save sinners, seeing this church grow, seeing God do amazing things, seeing God preserve me through all kinds of things that have went on and that have happened. Right? Years and years and years to watch God change people's hearts and move in their lives and see a great change happen in them. And see God moving, people mature. We have that access to the Father. There's nothing, there's nothing that can hinder you, that can stop you to go to the Father, but you.
you. That's on you. God is ever waiting. His hand is outstretched still. It's that you don't go. If you don't, that is. You have answered prayer. You could tell me things that God has done for you. You could tell me all kinds of things that God has done for you. What you have seen. Amen? I watched it. I've seen it. I've seen God answer prayer. Carrie almost dying. Amen. By the way, if you'd have had that house you wanted to, maybe she'd have been dead. That was all the way out there. Right? Yeah. Isn't that something? Boy, I, I never thought about that. You never thought about that, did you? How that could work like that, right? Till after the fact, but we think about it then, don't we? That that could have happened. God could have gave you the house you wanted, but your wife would have died. God says he'll withhold no good thing from them. So, so he gives us struggles. He gives us trials. He gives us things. He doesn't always give us what we want. He gives us what we need. Sometimes he gives us what we want. Even more. Then he, gives, then he changes our wanter when our wanter is wrong. Right? That's not a game, is it? You have access to God. You're able to speak your mind freely to God, do you? I'm not even going to get past this first point. I'm not. That's okay. Do you, do you speak your mind freely to God? Do you pour out your soul to God? Do you ask God for great things? I don't mean financial, just financial things. That's part of it. Spiritual things. God to change people's hearts. You know, sometimes people, they don't, they, they want to see outward. You know, there is no substitute for a walk with God. There is no substitute for prayer. So I can't counsel you enough as a pastor to counsel you out of the necessity of prayer. Do you understand what I mean by that? So there's nothing I can do uh, in order to, to give you enough counsel to get something in your life to happen that you would want to happen that God won't do for you in prayer. I'm only to guide you and to point you in that direction. I... I'm not a replacement for God in your life. The pastor is a gift to the church. You have to walk with God and you have to pray. And you have to boldly come to God and you have to ask God to do things in your marriage. You have to ask God to do things with your children, with your job, with your work, with, with your church, with whatever it is. You have to go to God. You have to boldly come to God. Maybe you want to be married. Well, you better start bombarding the throne of God then. How bad do you want it? Bad enough to pray without ceasing? Huh? To pray for the right person and for you to be the right person so you don't destroy somebody's life? You know, easy you can destroy somebody's life just wanting something in your own flesh? Amen. Being selfish? can happen you got to want it from God you got to pour out your soul to God you got to cry out to God you got there's got to be a time when you cry out to God when do you you have access you've been given it and as a spirit of faith to engage them to pray in faith you're to pray in faith. Just like as a pastor, I plow in hope. I don't doubt what God is going to do. I believe God's going to do it. Amen. So we plow in hope with all that we do, the work that we do. We plow in hope. We're not to plow in doubt. We're to plow in hope, believing God. You're to pray in hope, believing. You're to pray in faith. 
with the spirit of faith, to engage them to pray in faith and with holy boldness, confidence. Do you pray with confidence to God? God is not offended by confidence in the throne room of God. When you, God's not offended by that. God's not offended by you asking him for big things, for great things, no matter what it is, spiritual, uh, you know, wh whatever it is, if it's his will. God's not, God's not offended by that. If you come boldly and ask God to do great things for you, he's not offended by that. God's not going to be like, oh, you, whoa, back off there. You have not because you asked not. How much have you prayed about it? You can put all the work in you want to and you need to, what God has permitted. But it'll never substitute for prayer. See, that's a formula for Christians that you don't get around. I, I don't care what it is. Building a business, whatever it is, you, you think, well, I work hard. I'm a hard worker. Right? As a pastor, I, I know pastors that were very hard. My pastor that, that, that I got to say was a very hard worker. That church never hardly grew at all. He was a hard worker. I don't know how much he prayed. I don't know. But you can work hard and not, but if you don't pray, you won't see the blessings of God. You have to pray. There's no substitute for that. You've been given access. You weren't given access just so you could squander it, not use it. So you could waste your days on this earth by not praying to God and not seeking his face daily. That's what the world does. They breathe God's air and they never pray to him. They eat his food and they never thank him for it. You shouldn't be that way. I shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't be that type of people. We should be the ones that are praying and thanking God for his goodness and his mercy in our lives instead of looking for things to complain about. We should be praying. Prayer keeps your heart right with God. Keeps your heart in tune with God. And with holy bold, I, I was not planning on talking about prayer this long, but that's okay. Amen. We'll be praying Sunday too, amen. And with holy boldness, confidence, and importunity. And he is said to be one, both with respect to the persons, too, and by whom access is had, the Father and Christ, for he is the one and the same Spirit of the Father and of the Son, and with the respect of the persons, who have this access, Jews and Gentiles, who as they make up one body are actuated and directed by and drink into one and the same spirit. Jew and Gentile alike brought together the same spirit, could pray together. How could they do that? Well, because they've been given access. Hence, this access to God is of a spiritual kind. It is a drawing nigh to God with the heart and a worshiping Him in spirit and is by faith and, and may be with freedom and should be with reverence and ought to be frequent and, and is a peculiar privilege that belongs to the children of God and who have great honor bestowed upon them. Do you realize the privilege and honor that you have to pray to the God of heaven? It shouldn't be a chore. It shouldn't be work. It should be a privilege, an honor to pray to God. That you can go to God. That you can get things from God. You have a great honor bestowed upon you to have access to God at any time. The Old Testament Jews did not have that. They didn't have that same access to the throne room of God. To have access to God at any time as their father through Christ the mediator and under the influence and by the direction and assistance of the Holy Spirit. This is a considerable proof. We'll talk about the Trinity, right? The Trinity of persons in the Godhead. 
of their deity and distinct personality. Our access is by, and we'll talk about that next week. Our access is by the Holy Spirit. Christ purchased for us leave to come to God. And the Spirit gives us a heart to come and strength to come, even grace to serve God acceptably. Observe, we draw nigh to God through Jesus Christ by the help of the Holy Spirit. The Ephesians, upon their conversion, having such an access to God as well as the Jews, and by the same Spirit, the Apostle tells them, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners. God shouldn't be a stranger to you. God shouldn't be a stranger to you when you, pray, when you pray or if you pray, or maybe you don't pray. But God's a stranger to those that don't pray, even his own children. But they don't pray. They don't seek his face. They don't cry out to him. They don't speak to God. They don't boldly come before him after they've been given access. And it's a shame. It's a shame to us that we would go to man before we would go to God. That we would seek the help of men before we would seek the help of God. That we would seek all other avenues of help before we would seek out God. How much have we cost ourselves, maybe even in financial blunders and everything else, and wasted and squandered the resources that God has given us because we never ask God? We just never asked him for it. How many times do his children just not ask him for things? Just don't ask him. They just go do it. And, you know, it works out. They pay their bills. They pay it all. But, but what if God wanted to just give it to you and you never asked him for it? Do you ever think that? Do you ever think that? Sometimes it, only, it takes for you to be in a position where God has to put you in that position for you to believe that you need God to do it for you. Sometimes that's it, isn't it? That's the way it is. You just got to be in that position before God. See, that's what God does to his preachers, his pastors. That's what he does to them. He puts them in they have to go to God. They have to ask God for it. Why? Because they look down and it ain't there. It ain't there. Right? Well, God has to do it. I don't have it. I don't own it. It's his church. Amen. I don't own it. Sometimes I'll tell you the craziest things ever. It'll be the first of the month and all the bills are due. And second of the month, third of the month, fourth of the month, fifth of the month, sixth of the month. All the bills are due. I'm looking down. I was like, man, there ain't, there ain't nothing here. There's not enough here. Never ask God for it. Always. Just ask God for it. Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know who you're going to send to do it. <laughs> right? Somebody's got to do it. It's not me. <laughs> so I'm busy doing your work. You take care of my business. I'll take care of yours. That's what God told me. You just take care of my business. I'll take care of yours. Amen. That's why I, I believe that bivocational thing shouldn't last very long for a pastor. Unless it's manageable, and he can do that if he has to as long as he can. But it shouldn't last that long. Why? Because his focus ought to be the ministry. And the church ought to want the pastor's focus to be the ministry. Amen. Not everything else. Right. You don't want me distracted. I, I'm not into the stock market and making money and all that. I'm not into that. You don't want me into that. I, you, you don't want a pastor into that. You don't want that. Right. I, I, I keep myself as far away from that stuff as I can. Why? My retirement's in heaven. <laughs> I keep myself away from that. Why? I plan on preaching until I'm dead. Amen. And the way I preach, that might be sooner than later. But, but I, you know, I, that's, that's just it. Why? Because I don't want my focus. I, I don't want to be out making money. I, I don't want to be doing that. I know what that does to pastors. I know what that does to their, their mindset. It gets them off. Right? And it, it, it's not good. So I have to pray it in. I have to ask God for it. And he gives it. And he gives it for his church. And he gives it for his ministry. And he does, he does it for, and just like he's no respecter of persons. He does it for you. And he uses you to do it. Amen. 
That's who, he's, that's who God wants to use. That's who he chooses to use. The world doesn't understand that. They're like, oh, you, you just, you don't want to go out and do this and this and this and this and you don't want to go get a job and do this. Oh, I already have work to do. I got plenty to do. I ain't got enough time to do the work I got to do right now. I got tons of work to do. Amen. I got plenty of work to do. All day, every day. Non-stop. Amen. Plenty to do. We just believe God. We believe what God says in His Word. You ought to believe God. You ought to draw nigh to God, and you ought to do that. I'm, we're going to stop here because, man, we could keep going, but we'll pick it up next week. I didn't know this was going to be like, you know, two, or, two outlines or whatever, but it, it is because I just parked on that prayer. Because I want you to understand the access that you have to the Father is through Jesus Christ. It's upon His merit and not your own. Say, Pastor, that's very simple. Amen. I know. I just want you to follow it. I want you to believe it. Amen? I want you to believe it. I want you to remember that. I want you to stop trying to look at yourself and stop trying to seek God's approval when you already have it in Christ. So why would you seek it if you already have it? God's not like your abusive father that, that is never happy with anything you do. Amen. Stop looking at God that way. That's not your Father in heaven. That's not how He looks down at you. He looks down at you that He loves you. And Christ is well pleased. And He pleased the Father. And you and I ought to pray with that holy boldness and access to God and ask God to grant us these things and meet our needs and take care of us. After all, is there anything too hard for God? Father in heaven, Lord, we thank You. Thank you for that holy boldness. Thank you for the access you've given us by Jesus Christ. Thank you for the intercession of the Holy Spirit. Father, we know that Jesus is worthy, and we're not. But in Christ is our worth. In Christ, you are well pleased. Help us to always remember that. Help us not to live beneath our privilege that you've given us, but help us to boldly come before the throne of God, being granted access permanently by Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and ascension into heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.